Yes, people, it is part two of this week's ch- Echo Chamber. Woo. Nearly said the wrong one there, people. So, yeah, part two, we have three new films that we go over. So, buckle up, people, because, boy, we get into some big ones right now. Hey, so it would seem there's another superhero-related film on Netflix. And that one, people, is called Major Grom Plague Doctor. So, uh, interestingly enough, right, it is also... You know, like another film we will talk about this week. It's um, also based on a comic book series. This is from uh, Bubble Comics, a Russian publisher. Uh, the, the, the comic book, it's gone through a few iterations, right? So they had Major Grom, then Igor Grom, and then Major Igor Grom. Yeah. And I think it kind of, there's been some events and all of this. But yeah, it seems like a very popular piece over in in Russia. They also made a short film of it, Major Grom, back in 2017, I believe. So um, this one is from director Oleg Trofim. Um, It is written by... Artyom Gabrilanov, Roman Kotkov, um, Evgeny Eroni, Vladimir Blestin, Alexander Kim, uh, Valentina Tronova, and Nikolay Titov. I think that some of those people kind of uh, wrote... Um, you know, the iterations of the comic book, I believe. I think that's half of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, the character was created by Artom Grablanov and Iveni Fedotov. Okay, so it's produced by Grablanov, uh, Michael Kitev, Olga Filipuk, Roman Kotkov, and um, Ironin. Um, Cinematography is from Maximim Zukov. It's edited by Yurij Kirka and Alexander Poznirnov. Music is from Roman Selestov. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I think it it was it went out via Disney, um, and Netflix. Interesting. Okay, so our cast. Right, we've got Major Igor Grimm, who is played by uh, Chikon. Zvashki. Uh we've got Yelena um Porkanina. She's a, a, a blogger 
online journalist, and she is played by Leibov Aksanova. We've got um, the police chief, Colonel General Fedor Prok- Prokoponkenko. Um, and he is played by Alexei Makalov. Uh, we've got Dima Dmitri Dubin. He's a uh, he's a trainee, a newbie to the police force, and he is played by Alexander Setarkin. Um, we've got Sergei Razomsky. Um, he's played by Sergei. Gorgoshka. Um, his best friend Oleg Volkov. Um, he's played by Dmitry Chebotanov. Um, I mean they're the main ones. I, I I'm gonna struggle with the rest of these names. You know, unfortunately, yes. So uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna stop there before I embarrass myself any. More because, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's not a good look. <laughs> so, the story is this Police Major Igor Gorm is known throughout St. Petersburg for his penetrative character and irreconcilable attitude towards criminals of all stripes. But everything changes dramatically with the appearance of a person in the mask of the plague doctor. Having declared that his city is sick with the plague of lawlessness, he takes up treatment, killing people who at one time escaped punishment with the help of money and high status in society. Society is agitated, um... The police officers are powerless. For the first time, Igor faces difficulties in the investigation, the outcome of which may determine the fate of the whole city. So we start off, right, with um, a, a boy. You know, he's, uh, yeah, he's on the beach. And then we see a group of boys chasing a dog. Right? And, you know, first you wonder what they're doing. And then it, they get, the dog gets trapped and it looks like they're going to... I mean, try and kill the dog. Because you're just like, what are you doing? And this old boy was sitting there. He, uh, you know, he, he, he tells them to stop. Tells them to stop. And we just... it. That sequence ends with him facing off against these boys. We're then shown a man running. So you, the way it is, it kind of makes an assumption for you that the guy running is the older version of the boy we've just seen. Turns out that isn't the case, but that's the way it's given to us. So we see a guy running. Um... And again, at first we're like, um, what is this? And he's chasing, 
Well, we see all this stuff flying, and the way the angle is, you're wondering, where is that coming from? Turns out it's money coming from the back of a van. So the people he's chasing are bank robbers, and we then make the assumption, okay, the guy running is a police officer. But he's also keeping up with the van pretty well. So you're wondering, huh, okay, what is this? And um, this is, and a huge chase ensues. Now, within this chase, our major groom, we see him do some stuff, right? Use some powers, and that well, that then makes it all very interesting because you're like, okay. So he's got these, what, what powers does he have? Because that's the thing, because the way we're kind of, it looks like it is regeneration and um, he can slightly see the future, right? So you're like, huh, all right. But within, you know, stopping all of this, there's a lot of damage that gets done to the city, which he's police chief is not too happy about, not too happy, choosing out all of that kind of jazz, it also turns out that him and his police chief live very close to each other, and they're, and they're good friends, right, so it's a very odd situation, it really is, so we have all of this, and, and we do have opening credits, right, we go into this, then we get more opening credits, it's insane, because they're not sure, right, and you're like, what the fuck is it doing? Why have we got these long ass credits after the film has already started? This is this is weird, right? So um, everything is moving along and all of this, and you're like, okay, interesting. We then jump to um, well, a, f- a few things, right? We're following a tech millionaire, Sergey Razumovsky who launches together this social media platform, she also seems like a VPN, right, Um, so we have that, and then we're also at the trial of Krill Gherkin, right, this rich um, jet setter who killed a girl in his car, and it looks like he is going to get away with it, so there's a few different things that we are following, and then in all of this, we get Dimitri turn up at the police station as the, you know, the intern, so there's a lot going on, right, a lot going on, but when the plague doctor appears, that's when things go really crazy, goes really crazy, and I think the thing with this is, right, it's an interesting story, but they've tried to do way too much with it, tried to do way too much with it, and the thing being, it's not short, right, it's not short, it's like two and a quarter hours, you know what I mean? It's two and a quarter hours, man. So you're like, 
huh, but yeah, they, they, they kind of tried to fit too much in it, and also it just seems that, right, along with all the different threads, they're trying to say way too much, right, but unfortunately it doesn't all come across, like there's this there's this whole one thing about this boy who's a friend of the girl who gets killed, right, by the rich dude. And he's all seeking revenge. And we see his character go through all of this stuff. And it goes to a pretty drastic place. Right? You kind of think your actions don't actually make any sense, especially where we see him at the very end, right, and he, and he does some shit, but it then just seems he's free, and you're like, what, what the fuck is that, right, it, it gets a little crazy, we have our online journalist blogger, who, um, the way she meets Grum is, again, odd, right, it, it, it's this odd situation that, firstly, you, you think, well, why would you assume he would have this stuff, right, and then it's, okay, why are you leaving stuff just the way it is, like, it's very convenient, you know, the way she finds the stuff, right, so you have all of this, I mean, you, you had this whole weird conceit of, oh, you took a photo I don't like, I'm gonna smash your phone, and it's just like, yeah, but the cloud, you know what I mean, like, most people who are doing certain stuff, They've probably got their thing, you know, their phones and stuff set up so information, pictures, all of that, it goes straight into the cloud, so you don't lose it. So smashing a phone, destroying a laptop, it's not technically going to do a lot, right? So you, you, you this is happening. You're like, wait, what? That make no sense. That's weird. So we have all of this stuff now. As I said, right, at the beginning, we have Grom use these powers. We don't see him utilise this again until the very end, which is super weird. Because there's a certain things happening that you're like, well, how would that happen if you can do this? Right? It doesn't kind of set it up like, ah, well... I can only do this at this point, or this only happens because of this, or the the thing that goes down, it's not even that there's this big distraction or something that would mean, oh, that stops him from, no, so you're like, wait, how does that happen, right, how does that happen, so you, you have all of these things, and they just, again, there's fitting so much in here, they do throw us this big kind of red herring, um, no, not a red herring, well, it kind of is a red herring, and then we get this big plot twist kind of thing, and I'm like, okay, that's all well and good, 
that's fine. But the problem I had with it was they've already set the character up in a certain way, right? So for us to then believe this thing is a little odd. They've also, I kind of think, if you're doing this, what they did, there needs to be some indications of it, right? Because to just suddenly go, ta-da, is, it's, it's kind of cheating, right? It's kind of cheating. You're being very lazy with your story writing. But they didn't give us any of those little hints. There's There was nothing to make you go... Hold on. Hmm. I don't think. So you're just like, wait. To then just do, uh, come on, guys. Come on. What are you doing? But, the, but then the crazy thing was, well, there's a few crazy things, right? So at the school, you just find evidence of this thing. Yeah, surely that person wouldn't have let them have that. And we know he still um, is involved with the school because we're told that. So you're just like, wait, why would that person just leave? Yeah, that that's just too, it's too on the nose, right? So there is there is that. I think you've then just got how, like, the journalist keeps on showing up. You've got the intern. The intern does this thing towards the end of the film, which makes no sense after then what he says and how he acts. You're just like... You didn't have to do you didn't have to do that thing. Why did you do that thing if you're then all of this? It's a little bit odd. It's a little bit odd. Now, people, I should let you know as well. There are end there is an end credit, but at the very, very, very end of some long ass credits. I only let the credits play because I was getting some stuff ready. So I was just like, oh, let me just get this ready. And I just had left the TV on, right? Because the credits are so long, so long. So I'm just wondering how many people will watch the very end credit. And the end credit does kind of set up a scenario for a, a, a sequel, right, but it also then, it, it does a weird thing where you're just like, how would that person not have known, right, how, I like, I don't understand how the person wouldn't have known this thing that was shown at the very end, it makes no sense, it's like, what, nah, Nah, I can't buy that. It's crazy. So, I, I, I think there's some good stuff in here, but it just lets itself get a little convoluted. I, I think if if you're a fan of the comic book, right, I, I, I think it might resonate to you a bit more. 
right? You're, you're going to probably get a bit more enjoyment out of this than just the layman. Because I think it does seem to do the thing like a lot of the lower level comic book movies do. Right, so throws a lot of action, a lot of explosions, and has a thin story wrapped around it, rather than something that is more engrossing and compelling. Right, a story that really sticks every moment of it. Right, that from the beginning to end, it makes sense within the context of that crazy ass world. You know what I mean? I think that's a big difference here, but. Yeah, it, it it's not terrible, right? I think there's definitely going to be bits in it that people enjoy. And as I said, look, if you're Russian, if you read the comic books, then uh, I think I think it's going to hit you more. So Major Groom, Play Doctor, it is on Netflix right now. Okay, so I I, I think I should definitely give you motherfuckers a heads up, because do not, do not watch our friend if you are feeling a little on the downside, you know what I mean, like, you have to watch this film when you're in the best of moods, because it will fuck you up. Jesus Christ I mean I, So I've, I've seen this film sitting around Right on pro, oh, Sitting around Hasn't been out for that long But I, I've seen it there Right I have seen it there And you know I I don't even know why Right But there was something And I, I checked And I saw Oh it's got Casey Affleck in it Jason Siegel, Nicoda Um Dakota Johnson And I was like Yeah They are all very solid This could be good I wonder what it's about And then you read what it's about And you're like Okay Alright Um Maybe not right now <laughs> It sounds a little sad I might wait a little You know what I mean I might wait a little So I did And um I came back to it. <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, motherfuckers, right? I'm just like, I thought, you know what? I'm in a better mood. I'll watch it. No, 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 no. It was definitely not the time. Not the fucking time. Damn. Oh, it was very difficult, but it is a very good film. It's a very, I, yeah, it's a good film. So the weird thing is, I see it debuted um, at the London Film Festival in 2019. And I don't know how the fuck I missed it. Because I covered, I mean, I covered so much. <laughs> I covered so much that year. So it, it might have just been, it fell between the cracks because, boy... I don't know, I, I definitely couldn't have fit any more films in to the ones I actually fucking covered. But yeah, surprised I missed it, right? But, um, damn, that's all I can say. Now, the crazy thing is, it's actually based, 
it's on a true story it's based on a true story and from a uh, an article that was written um yeah a, an article was written and it went in the uh oh god i it, it's escaped me now where where the piece was um shown but it was you know it's written by yeah matthew teague right who's the dad the the husband the a major part of the film right he this is all true right so he wrote an article called the friend love is not big enough but love is not a big enough word right which is uh i mean shit right that's kind of crazy it's kind of crazy because it it is such a man it, it's not a good situation right when you actually like you you know you're watching the piece and everything like that and you just be like fuck that that's some tough shit right some tough ass shit but yeah it's um Esquire, Esquire, that's where the article was, yes, um, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing, now, I don't know if, I think there were some things in the film that weren't quite covered, I thought, but for the most part, oi, so, uh, yeah, let's actually get to it, right, it's directed by Gabriella. Calperthwaite, I think that's how you say her name, right, um, so, yeah, based on a true story from Matthew Teague and Brad Inglesbury adapted it for the screen, so it is produced by Michael Proust, Teddy Schwarzman, Ryan Stow and Kevin J. Walsh, Cinematography is Joe Anderson. It's edited by Colin Patton. Uh, music is Rob Simonson. Um, and yeah, cast-wise, well, it, it, it you know, cast was very good, right? So we have Matt Casey Affleck who plays Matthew Teague. Dakota Johnson plays Nicole Teague. Jason Siegel plays Dane Fushek. Um, and they're kind of our main peoples. We've then got uh, Denny Benton plays Charlotte, Nicole's best friend. Um, Aaron, she's married to him. He's played by Jake Owen. I don't know if he's related to the other Owens. Whose names, again, have just gone out of my mind, but you know, those Owen peoples, I don't know, he kind of looks like them, but I don't know, uh, we got Glendalyn Christie, she plays Teresa, um, Cherry Jones plays Faith Pruitt, uh, oh, I should have got to these earlier, but we have the, um, Matthew and Nicole's two 
daughters, Molly, who's played by Isabella Rice, and Evie, the younger of the two, played by Violet McCraw. We've got Cat, played by Mariella Scott, Gail, who's Anna O'Reilly, Elizabeth, Azita Ganizada, and Kenny, who's played by Sampley Baringa. And the, the gist of the piece is, after Nicole receives a terminal cancer diagnosis, her and her husband's best friend, Dane, moves in with them. He offers them support during this time, all while putting his own life on hold. So, yes, that's a thing. Which, don't know... Right, he does put his life on hold, but I feel there's more to it than that. Right, there seems more to it than that. Now the film jumps around a lot. Right, we got time stamps, and so we jump before like the diagnosis. So we got periods of time before, and then periods of time after. That's what we're doing. And so we jump around quite a bit. The one bad thing, right, I did feel was, so what would happen is you get these, you know, um, ugh, don't know what you call it. I'm going to say boilerplate. I know it's not the word, right? But this thing would come up on screen and it will say um, summer 2013, like, one year after the diagnosis so you get things like this or you know two like fall 2008 four years before right that that's the kind of thing that would come up but it's this white writing on the screen and a, a good few times it's on a really light background so you miss it like the first time it's, we're at a hospital scene, right, so it's all white, and then this text comes, I missed it the first time, but there was something, and I rewound it a little, and I was just like, oh, it's text, okay, so I, I, I thought that, I was like, ah, they could have done that better, but we start off, and we've got Dane outside with the daughters, Molly and Evie, and he's keeping them occupied. They're playing a little game. And then we see um, Matt talking to Nicole. Nicole's in bed. You know, you know she's ill, right? She's got the, the headscarf on. You know, you, you could, there's clearly a cancer look. And Nicole has got it. She's got it in spades. So they're talking and you just hear, I think we should tell them now. Right, so you you kind of get the gist, and then we just see the girls go into the room, and um, yeah, we're just like, okay, okay, right, uh, yeah, it, it 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 it's crazy, right? So, but then, so we don't hit the the conversation doesn't take place. We then jump. We um, we jump, what, 13 years earlier. 
So yeah, to twenty two thousand and eight. No, thirteen years. No, 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 no. I think it's two thousand. We jumped to two thousand and four, maybe. Huh. No, it's, I forget. I forget. But we jumped thirteen years earlier, and we see the beginning, right? So it's you know Matt and Nicole. We see them just taking care of each other, just in that full bloom of love. Full bloom of love. You know, everything is great. Um, then we see them at their, their respected workplaces. Matt's working for a paper. He hates it. He clearly hates it. Right? And I think it's one of them ones as well where everyone in the place knows he hates it. Right? So everyone's teasing him because I think it's like he feels he should be somewhere better. And he and he's a better writer than everyone else, and so they mock him, they prank call him like they're from the New York Times, trying to recruit him, all of that kind of shit. On the flippy flip, Nicole, she's an actress, so she works for a theater company, and we see her, you know, prepping for a role and everything like that. There's that clear difference, you know. Um, but Matt. He does get the call. We see him get the call and everything like that. And that's when things change. Right? We see that change. And I think it's an interesting thing. What the film does here. Right? But we then jump. We jump in time. We jump to December 2012. Right? And... um yeah, so it's as the, you know, the, the the diagnosis, but the first diagnosis, right? And, um, yeah, so we have all of that, but we, we follow Dane a bit more now, right? So, you know, Dane, he, he's just, I think, and this is the thing which I feel... The, the, the synopsis doesn't quite... Because it's like Dane gives up his... You know, puts his life on hold. But Dane, he'd been walking in a bit of a fog, right? We see him at work. He's in a... Sh- like, it, I mean... Look, you, you say it's a shitty job. It's not necessarily a shitty job. Because there's a load of people in these sorts of jobs. But it's... You know, got a, a the job has a ceiling to it, and you know you can see that he wants more, but he's just afraid to go and get it, right? I I I think that's the big thing that we have from Dane. There is this fear of putting yourself out there, you know, and look. Early in the, we don't see it in the film, but it's mentioned that he's he originally tried to ask out Nicole, right? But he didn't know she was married at the time. Blah, blah, blah. So we have all of this, but we see he likes one of her friends. That doesn't turn out, and we just see him in these different situations, and they're not working. Now he does meet this one girl. And she seems to want to take it to a place. And 
from you can kind of tell that he doesn't right and that's when he moves in with Matt and Nicole so I'm a bit like yes he, he put his life on hold to some extent but he's not happy at work right he his relationship technically is great but he's too scared to you know be himself be free open up into it so he's kind of hiding he's kind of hiding and you see him throw himself into caring right caring for nicole the kids molly and evie and matt right he's the person they can turn to and he's more than happy to play that role it is it's kind of hard to break him down you know what I mean and, and I think that's one of the big things so we get that and then we see all of these you know by jumping back and forth we see all of these other moments in their lives right the the rockiness because listen Every relationship is going to go through rocky phases. Everyone. But it's like, are you going to work for it? Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to improve it? And I, I think what we see is... Sometimes it takes, like, something crazy for you to really see what you're missing out on, you know, because, now, it's always difficult, because it's a film, right, so, you don't know what's true, and what isn't, and what things were played up a little bit more, you know what I mean, but, yeah, Matt's an arsehole, (laughs) Matt isn't, a nice person for a big chunk of the film, you know, like, he, he's very much about himself, and you kind of get it, because he finally got a job that he was really wanting, but in doing that job, he neglects everyone else in his life, right, so I think we see all of this, right, all of this is, is there, right, the, the openness, the closeness, right, but Dane is always that person, always that person who can be counted on, and and I think it was interesting how the situation was shown through the daughters, because, you know, Evie, she's young, so she's kind of always happy and easier to mitigate. But, you know, I, I, I think you really see the impact on Molly. Because, right, I, I, I think it was really evident when Matt drops her at school the first time we see him do this. But she has no friends. No friends. Or people we see her with. When Evie, yeah, loads of people come and greet Evie. 
But you understand what is going on, right? So throughout everything, and I say, look, Matt was an arsehole. But you can, as I said, look, you can kind of see why he was acting the way he's acting. Right? And we see how everything impacts all the others. Right? Nicole being kind of on the outside of things. We see how it affects her. We see, you know, Dane really just embraced the role of a carer. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's interesting. You know, now... I would say the film doesn't necessarily, like, it shows it, but for only for a a minute or so. I I mean, obviously, it's longer than a minute. I'm just saying it's a very short period of time, right? This, the, the impact of the drugs and the illness on Nicole, right? Where it really just... Because these things just fuck with your head, right? And we see that, but only, yeah, not not a lot. Now, it's not nice, obviously. So I get why they didn't want to, you know, really go to town on this. But, yeah, I I think there's a film, right? It's starring uh, Sarah Polly. It's um, My Life Without Me. And, oh my god, it is such a great film, but it is hard to watch. Oh man, it is so sad, so sad. You know, again, it's about, you know, a, a couple and they've got a daughter and she's dying. So she's, you know, she's trying to find someone that her husband can be with. Once she's gone, right? She's trying to find a, a new wife for a husband and a mum for a daughter. And we see her write letters to the daughter for all the big moments she's going to miss. Just all of these things. And it really, that film came to mind when watching this one. Because they they do have similar beats to them. Oh, but I get sad, man. Like, it's so fucking sad, you know, because you're, you're seeing this stuff and even through the, the bad shit, right, you get it. It's not necessarily this easy, like, oh, well, all you have to do is, you know what I mean? Because you get it, right? Dane takes this walk and just this interaction with this woman is just so powerful. And for the last, I don't know, 20, 15 minutes of this fucking film, it, it just got, it got heavy. Like, I'm, I just actually just felt, suddenly, just, it just hits you. Just fucking hits you, man. And then it's just like, wait, what? What the fuck is happening to my eyes? <laughs> like, what, what the fuck is going on right now? Oh, man, it was just... Because it fucks with the heart, son. It really does. It's an emotional ride. And and I think... Because... Like, friends disappear. 
Friends disappear when you're ill. And sometimes it's because they're assholes, right? And they're not really friends. But sometimes it's just because it's hard. It's just because it's hard, right? Seeing someone really ill or dying. Not everyone can handle that shit. So, yeah, I think they do a a really good job of, of, of... Bringing all of these moments and realities to life Right? Do a really good job of that And the acting I mean Casey Affleck I remember when Casey Affleck first came on the scene, right? And you're just like, ugh I mean, he wasn't Incredible You just kind of thought Hey he's getting roles because he's the brother of Right But Hey you can see Casey put in the work Man And he And it listen it, you, You've known it long before this film But AZ Affleck is a really good actor He's a really good actor And he really gives you the these emotional moments, right? Because you have to see him being in love and then see him kind of drifting away. You see him getting hurt, right? Seeing the impact of knowing that his wife is dying, right? Trying to cope with his daughters, just all of this. And he really... Gives you this heartfelt performance without being over the top. Right? The girls. Now, the the little girls, it's an interesting one. Right? Because the the performance is that of sadness. But, you know, for Evie, right? Violet McGraw. She has to give you this role where she's sad, but she's so young. She's still happy. She still laughs, she still does stuff. But then on the flip side, Isabella Rice as Molly, like you, you see this moodiness. You know what I mean? This just devastation of everything that is going on for her. Then you, you know, Dakota Johnson, really just a, an incredible performance. The same as, you know, Affleck. Like, she really gives you this crazy ride as Nicole. Really does. And Jason Siegel, man, he, he's, his performance as Dane, it is very good. Like, he is a bit of a comedic relief in some ways. But he still brings you this emotional... Range in the piece that definitely resonates, and you need it for the film to work. So it's definitely worth a watch, people. But as I said, look, choose your motherfucking time. <laughs> choose your time. You need to be happy because if you are feeling down, oh, this is not the film. <laughs> this is not the fucking film. And if you do like this film, go check out My Life Without Me, because it's extraordinary, it really is, and I think you'd like it, if you'd like this, I think you'll very much like that one, alright, so yeah, it's on, it's on Prime Video, so, our friend, Prime Video, 
Go get your feels on, people. Okay, people, it is finally here. Oh, my gosh. I have to say, been waiting for this film. Been waiting for Black Widow to hit for some time. You know, like, it's the 24th film in the MCU. How crazy. There's been 24 films, people. It, when you think about that number, it is insane. Is insane, and Black Widow has been a part of some of the biggest ones, right? Always an interesting character, but there's always been indications of that long past. You know, in the Red Room, you'd hear little quips, little throwaways, and there's always that, huh? What? happened, like, what happened, and then in between, um, you know, there was a stuff in Civil War, and you're like, okay, so where was she during this moment, right, what, what was she doing, you know, so, hey, it's, um, nice to fill in some of those gaps, right, now, here's the thing, when you've read the comics, you know, depending on how long you've read comics for, you will know some stuff, right, but there is always this secrecy, and always this secrecy about it all, so, yeah, I was very interested in the Black Widow film, and to see how do they do it, how are they going to pull it off, now, I thought Captain Marvel was handled very well. You know, that that was a female-led film. But it wasn't done in the sense of... Um, like, to make it seem stupid, right? Because sometimes, you know, you watch a, a, a female film. And, and I won't even say this is a female film. This is just a film, Right, but we oftentimes we watch a, and when I say that, there's no disrespect, right? But what I mean is, we watch these films that are meant to be a female lead, female empowerment, great film, blah blah blah. But at the end, they're always saved by a dude, or the big thing in the film is their love triangle, you know, you know, they're pining for someone who doesn't quite like them until the last moment, so it, it just always seems a bit like, say what, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just like, okay, why is that the huge thing in this, so I think Captain Marvel did, handled it very well, but it's like, how will this be? How is Black Widow going to be? Especially knowing it's a prequel, right? How will that work? Because you're thinking, okay, so they're obviously going to tie into the main timeline in some way. I wonder how, right? How are they going to benchmark it? How is this all going to fit? Because there's events that, you know, I think it can be a problem sometimes with prequels when you know what's coming, 
So when there's moments of, will they die? You just like, well, I know they won't. Because they're in the thingy. So, you know. But, yo, all of this, boom, handled very well. So it is directed by Kate Shortland, who, very interesting choice. You know, Shortland, she's only done, what, three films? You know, I I liked her debut, Somersault. She then had Law, and she did Berlin Syndrome, which I was all set to watch, but it's uh, subtitled, which was a pain in the arse. You know what I mean? Pain in the arse, man, but three films, and she gets this. You know what I mean? That, that's kind of huge, right? I think she did a very good job. So it is um, written by Eric uh, Pearson um, with story help from Jack Shafir and Ned Benson. It's produced by Kevin Feige. Uh, cinematography is Gabriel Bernstein. It's edited by Lee Folsom Boyd and Matthew Schmidt. Music is by Lorna Bailiff. Um, obviously, it's you know a Marvel Comics production from Marvel Studios. You know, part of Walt Disney, and our cast. Wow, boy! You've got Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. You know, we have got Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova, also a Black Widow. Because a Black Widow is a term. It's a designation, as it were, a soldier. Right, but yeah, so, and that character is a character from the comic books. You know, very good. I think Greg Rucker wrote a um, a series on her. Back in the day, you know. Um, so she's up in there. Um, we also have uh, so David Harbour plays Alexei Ashoshkatov, aka the Red Guardian. Um, and I have to say, Harbour, man, he really for me in this one. He put to bed the the stinky roles of um, Hellblazer, Hell Hellboy, Hellblazer, Hellboy, right? Because ugh, that sucked. <laughs> that sucked. But yeah, he kills it in this. He, he did a very good job. Uh, we've also got um, ugh. Uh, Gosh, Rachel Wise, yeah, Rachel Wise plays a Melina Vodlskov, aka a Black Widow. We've got um Ray Winston as a Drakov. He's a Russian general that controls the Red Room. Um, we then have Olga Kralenko. She plays. Antonio Drakov. Um, 
his daughter and also is a flip on a character that everyone knows um but I won't I won't reveal we've got OT Fagabinal who plays Rick Mason he's a he's a fixer you know that helps out um Romanov um and the Loinch. So uh, yeah, they're our they're our main um our main peoples up in the piece. There's there's a few other people that you know jump in. Oh, I mean we got William Hurt, obviously, as Thaddeus Ross. You know, because remember this is set in between um Civil War. So yeah, we get we get Thaddeus, you know, up in there. Um, which is always interesting. Um, who else? I think yeah, no, I think that's that's everyone. That is everyone, people. So the gist of the piece is this, right? Um, so yeah, in Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow, confronts the darker parts of her ledger. When a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises, pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down, Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationships left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. There you go, people. And, um, yeah, how great. So we start, starts in Ohio, 1995. We see a little girl riding, um, riding a bike down the street, you know what I mean? White picket fences, all of that, right? She, she stops her bike, her little sister's there, they're playing. Mum comes out, it's Rachel Wise. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, so they're there and there is everything's cool. Then the the dad comes home, you know, Alexi. And he, he, he says to her, You know the thing we've talked about? It's happened. We have an hour. So we then have to see them fleeing. And it is oh my gosh, <laughs> it is definitely Oh man, exciting as hell. The the whole sequence of them getting out the country is pretty great. It's it's getting you pumped, man. It really is. So we see all of that, right? And then they go to Cuba. And then we get this kind of... um, Montage Right we, we get this kind of montage And we hear Smells like teen spirit Right That's getting played Over this kind of Yeah this odd montage And I had to say right I'm watching it and I'm thinking Is that Tegan and Sarah Right Now it wasn't Tegan and Sarah I double checked And it's, it's Think Up Anger Featuring Malayla J Right But Oh my god It was such 
a great sequence and the the smells like teen spirit and the cadence in which it is sung is captivating it, it, it it's this perfect thing it really feels like a, a wartime kind of propaganda piece it is very good it's very good and there's just this whole opening of the film and people i have to say you are just dialed in you are ready man you are so fucking ready i are Boy, oh my gosh, I really enjoyed the hell out of it, you know what I mean, I really enjoyed the hell out of it, man, so we then jump 21 years later, right, and now we're in, uh, we're in it, man, so we've got Romanov, she's in a toilet, and you can see her, like, prepping some shit, and then you um, have you know, Thaddeus Ross make the phone call. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay, this makes sense. Because remember in Civil War, when everyone's getting arrested, you know, but Widow's still on the run, right? And so he's like, oh, where are you? Where are you? I'm coming. For and so we get all of this play out, right? All of this play out. Then we jump to uh, Norway. Right, she goes there, but then we're in Morocco, right? And you're like, huh, okay. But we're following following someone completely new, running, and you're just like, who the fuck is this, right? Because you're just trying to think and be like, oh, what character is this? I don't know, I don't know. And um, that's how we get introduced. To Yelena Now obviously that isn't Yelena who we see running You know what I mean That's not her But she appears She appears In the whole thing And that's when Right That's when um, Her storyline Kind of opens up You know because this thing happens and we learn about the whole manipulation of it. And I have to say, it, it's it's very interesting. Because I think we know how they coerced Natasha. But it's like, okay, does... Because I think in the comic book I remember reading one time, it's just like, yo, this is a tough training. Most girls don't survive, right? So it was just like, oh, I wonder how. And so you learn that they've changed the techniques, right? They've changed it all. And, um, yeah, so we, we have all of this thing happen. Right? So it's just, whew, it is crazy. It is all getting crazy. So then we're back with Natasha, She's um doing her thing, but right, she she escapes all of that, bum bum boom. And uh like you know what I mean I, I think there's a bit and she's given like her mail, right? And she's just like, ugh, I don't need that shit. Bum bum bum. And but you you kind of think whenever something like that happens, you know, okay, so there's gonna be something in that. 
right? They're going to stumble on upon something. Something will happen. And yes, it does. Now, she doesn't necessarily stumble on it. But the the action hits her. And it does catch you off guard. Right? Because you, you're just following this thing. And then all of a sudden, boom. All kicks off. That's when we first meet Taskmaster. It is great. Oh my god, it is so goddamn good, people. Oh, so goddamn good. Like, the action, the fight scenes, the fight scenes are very kinetic, very energetic. You're just watching it and you're like, whoo, oh my days. Oh my days. Right? So, have all of that. Eventually, the sisters meet up. And it's not just a hi. I've missed you. It all goes a little bit crazy. I mean, I don't necessarily know if, you know, realistically that would happen. But it doesn't hurt the film. Doesn't hurt the film at all. But with everything that goes crazy from that moment, right, the, the, the idea of what's been going on in the Red Room is definitely solidified. We get these crazy car chases. I will say, I, I was a bit, because they're on a bike, and they transfer from a bike to a car, and I was thinking to myself, wouldn't you rather be in the car? Right? Because I mean, on the bike, because the bike allows you a bit more m- mobility, right? You can go down little side lanes, you can do little things that a car can't. Though, I will say, the car was probably a good choice in the end. <laughs> car was probably a good choice in the end, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's crazy heating up. And they're trying to get, you know, the information. And that takes us all over the place. All over the place. And, boy... <laughs> it is a roller coaster. There's definitely that like there's these points in the film where you think it's going one way and it doesn't. Right? You think something has happened, but it hasn't. Oh man. Like, but you are very much invested. You know, I I didn't really feel there's any lags in the film. I think probably one of the the the, the the big things is maybe the Russian accents. <laughs> because I ain't gonna lie, some of those Russian accents, boy, it's a little stinky. Ray Winston, not a good, not a good one. <laughs> not a good one, man. You know what I mean? It, it, it is a bit, yeah, it's a bit Ray Winston y. But, you know, I think that the character and everything like that was fine, right? The character like that was all fine. So, although accents eh, weren't always the best, like Rachel Wise's did come in and out a little bit. I thought, you know, um, Johansson and Pugh, they did a pretty good job, right? And Harbour... Theirs were pretty solid. You do notice a slip in places, but for the most part, they were pretty 
good, right, so, um, yeah, it, it was mainly Winston that was the real turkey of the piece, right, um, there is a, like, at the end it gets crazy, right, at the end it does get real crazy, like, there is a lot of scenes where you're running and fire is behind you, or, like, you're out running an explosion, just all of that kind of jazz, there is a lot of that towards the end, which, you know, I, I do kind of feel you're, like, I don't know if you can outrun an explosion like that, <laughs> you know what I mean, I don't know if you can do that shit, people, but, you know what I mean, but, it still, it was still compelling, it was still like, okay, you know what I mean, with explosions and craziness and all havoc, it was still like, oh, I'm with this, I am with this, you know, so, very good story, people, there is a scene at the very end, and I mean, at the very end, right, not midway through the credits, at the very motherfucking end, like, which I did find interesting, because usually it's midway through, right, and sometimes they throw one at the very end, but, yeah, but be warned, be warned, because you don't want to miss it, because it does give us some interesting stuff, some interesting stuff, you know, because the film ends, ends at a point, right, so ends at a, a, the point where you go back in Civil War and Black Widow goes to get everyone, um, which, you know, that's good, right, because we remember that part, you know what I mean? But although that's a decent ending, I was fine with it. You're like still a bit like, well, how do we tie this in now? Right? Because obviously we have got things that can go into the rest of phase four, five, the TV shows, all of that jazz, right? We definitely have that. But it's like, okay, but how? What are we going to do? What's the tease? And at the, the, yeah, the bit in the end credits, that's the tease, baby. That's the tease. And boy, I'm about it, about it. You know, because it, it does tell us a couple of things, right? Tells us a couple of things, which is interesting. Is very interesting. But yeah. Very much enjoy Black Widow. It's, and this is what I mean, right? When I say it, it, I don't really see it as a female film. It's just a film, right? And it's how I looked at Black Panther, right? I didn't look at it as just a black film. I looked at it as just a film, a great film. Because it, it, it's one of them films, because I remember coming out of Black Panther and you had Chinese kids, Indian kids, you know, white kids, all jazzed, all throwing up Wakanda forever, all just be like, yo. And that's how Black Widow is. Like, the film is so good. You know, you're just like, I might go as Black Widow for Halloween. I mean, I won't because I don't do Halloween. 
It's that kind of thing, right? The character was so good. The film was so good. The you you know I mean you're not being like I I mean it was good for a girls' film, right? Because they didn't play those bullshit things. It didn't have like the guy saves them at the end. Like it's none of that shit. Right, they were strong characters, but they were flawed characters. It wasn't trying to go, they can do anything because they're girls. It was it was realistic. It was just like, yo, these are their strengths. This is how they're kicking ass. This is what they're doing. And they it, it was done so well. It was done so it wasn't patronizing people. That's the big thing. It wasn't patronizing. So if you've enjoyed the rest of the MCU. You will not want to miss Black Black Widow. If you've enjoyed her performances in other things, yeah, bef- definitely. If you want to see something that ties into one of maybe the Disney Plus series, then, uh, yeah, I'd say uh, this is that film for you people. So, yes, Black Widow is in cinemas and it's on Disney Plus. Supposedly been kicking ass in both areas. So, yeah. And, people, battens are past. <laughs> There's no flopping like some of them relay finals we've seen. Everything is passed extremely well. You won't want to miss it, people. Black Widow, it kicks ass. Okay, people. So, we have hit that time again. As we close another episode, let's take a look at some film news. Alright, so if you are into music documentaries, well, you might be interested in this one. Because on the 8th of October, Madam X will be hitting Paramount Plus's streaming service. Alright, so um, this is a tour documentary for Madonna. Uh-huh. It was um, covering her um, Lisbon and Portugal. Well, Lisbon is in Portugal. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I think when she was over there um, touring... Okay, so, uh, yes, Madam X seems to be one of her personas, who'd have known, but, uh, yeah, this is what this, uh, this piece is gonna be covering, right, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot, man, there's a lot, and if you're a fan of Madonna, then I'm sure this is gonna interest you, alright, so, in other news, people, we, um, I think we we knew there was going to be a Thomas Crown Affair remake, and, um, it was going to be coming through Michael G, Michael B. Jordan's, um, production house, right, now we've got a bit more information, because Wes Took will be writing the script, uh-huh. Yes. So yeah, he's writing the script, and um, you know, it, I think it's following just the uh, you know the format we've seen before in the Steve McQueen and the uh, Pierce Brosnan iterations 
of the character. All right, so uh, yeah, yeah, could be interesting. The Russo brothers will be producing it too. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of curious. You know what I mean? I don't think we need another iteration, right? Because the Bronson um, Rene Russo one was so good. But fuck it, let's see. Alright, so, uh, you know, there's always those book adaptations that hit our screen. Because, you know, <laughs> Hollywood can't always come up with a fresh idea. Uh, now, a new one is Steve Falk's adaptation of The Rosie Project. I believe, like, I remember I read this book back in, gosh, I think like 2012. Might have been earlier. I think it was round about then. But uh, yeah, it's getting made into the film. And it's following an unlucky in love university professor who creates an elaborate questionnaire in an effort to find a wife and meets an unconventional woman who doesn't match any of his requirements but might be the perfect woman for him. So Fawkes also writes um, the script. I do believe in the book the guy was autistic so I don't know if they're bringing that to it but it looks like Henry Caval will be playing um, you know the uh, university professor yes which I again I don't know I, if I remember rightly the guy in the book wasn't um he didn't have Henry Caval looks. <laughs> you know what I mean? But fuck it. Let's see what they do with that. <laughs> okay, so um Joseph Koninsky has a new project coming. It's a, a comic book adaptation. Right, and it's called a chariot. Right, it's gonna be through our studios and Warner Brothers. Right, and so um, the gist of um, of this is this. Right, so uh, you know, um, a Cold War era secret government project to provide a star agent with a weapon unlike any other in the form of a state-of-the-art sports car but the sports car is sunk in the ocean for decades right because the um, agent he crashed it right um on a mission or something like that but years later a petty criminal looking to reform his life has stumbled upon the chariot and he's about to find out that the agent's consciousness is still controlling it. Bum, bum, bum. So it's written by Julian Meguzas. Um, the graphic novel itself is from Brian Edward Hill and Priscilla Petatrice. So, uh, yeah. I don't know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how this one turns out, okay, so, um, 
this is interesting, right? Because we are getting a new Bad Lieutenant film, right? So the original, you know, from Abel, Abel Ferreira, start Harvey Cartel, right? Then we adverts a Warnog. He did a remake, kind of a remake, right? Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans, starring Nicolas Cage. But this time, it's Ed Pressman who's um, adapting the piece. But it sounds like he's doing it slightly differently, right? So, um, you know, you might have seen there's that show on Netflix called Criminal which is set in an interrogation room, right? And there's a UK version, a German version, and a few others, right? Now, it sounds like Bad Lieutenant will be doing this, right? So it will be looking at a tale of a corrupt cop from a specific country, yeah? So, um, yeah. I know it could work, right? Um, each, you know, each country will be um, using that country's language and all of that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I wonder if they're gonna dub them, you know, or if it's just gonna be subtitles. I don't know. We will see, right? Um. So also, right? Um. You know, we, we've had news on the latest Star Trek TV series. Uh, well, we now find out that a new film is going to be in the works, right? It's kind of been gestating for a good ass while, right? We weren't sure if we were going to get a Tarantino version, but it looks like the new one will be from Matt. Shackman, right? So, um, you might recognize the name, you know, because Shackman handled WandaVision, so we saw what he could do with that, you know, which definitely, you know, I, I, I think it gives you a bit of faith, right? Gives you a little faith that this could be uh, something. No word really yet. If it's sticking with, you know, the Kelvin timeline and following the previous films, or if this will be something new, but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's coming. It's coming, and it sounds like they are aiming for June 2023. So uh, we will see what they do. Uh, so. It looks like we are getting another Evil Dead film, right? It's going to be called Evil Dead Rise. And um, Mia Chalice, you know, she's uh, signed on along with Lily Sullivan. Um, and also Elisa Sutherland is writing and directing the piece right don't no sorry elisa sutherland is also starring in it and lee cronin is writing and directing it 
right? It is coming through HBO, Warner Brothers, New Line, and Ghost House Pictures. So, in this new version, it says a road weary Beth pays an overdue visit to her older sister Ellie, who is raising three kids on her own in a cramped Los Angeles apartment. The reunion is cut short by the discovery of a mysterious book deep in the bowels of Ellie's building, giving rise to flesh-possessing demons and thrusting Beth into a primal battle for survival as she faced with the most nightmarish version of the motherhood imaginable. So, uh, yes. We'll see what they do with that. Sam Ramy and Bruce Campbell will uh, be executive producing the piece. So, um, in other news, people, right? So, we've got a new uh, sci fi rom com coming called Moonshot. Uh, it's written by Max Tax and um, Zach Braff. Is uh, stepping into uh, the feature, right? So supposedly, right, it uh, follows a future where Mars is transformed and colonized by the best humanity has to offer. Two very different college students wind up joining forces and sneak on board a space shuttle to the Red Planet in order to be united with their significant others. So you basically know that those two will end up together. Okay. So Braff is playing the mastermind behind the effort to colonize Mars, an entrepreneur and visionary. Um, in the vein of Elan Mosh. Um, it's also starring Cole Sprouse, Lana Condor, Mason Gooding, Emily Rudd, and Lucas Gage. So uh, there you have it, people. Um, in other news, right, coming to Netflix, you know, um, is a new Jason Siegel film, right? We talked about him in um, the in uh, Our Friend. Well, he is starring with Lily Collins and Jesse Plemons in Windfall, right? So this is a new film from Charlie McDowell, uh, said to be a modern noir feature, in a hit. Hitchcockian style following a young couple who arrive at their vacation home only to find it's been robbed so uh, yes now another thing with Netflix they have extended their deal with Universal to um, screen their animated films Right, so um, yeah, it sounds like they're gonna have exclusive rights in the states, and um, you know, when the films finish uh, their four month window on the Peacock, they will also then be hitting Netflix. So, uh, yes, now 
let's end with this because this is interesting right because look we we heard a while back that amazon had paid a crazy amount of money to make a wheel of time tv series which you feel yeah that makes sense right because there's like I don't know, 13 books, I, if I remember correctly. So it's definitely too large to be made in a film format, which they had talked about in the past, right? So we knew a TV series is coming, but now word is they are making a film series as well. Yeah, right? So it's said to be a trilogy, um, Zach Stentz is going to be writing it. It's coming via iWatt Productions and Radar Pictures. You know, um, and the first film. So here's the interest of me. The first film is set several millennia before the time of the books in a period known as the Age of Legends, a futuristic utopia powered by a magical force shared by men and women known as the One Power. When an unspeakable evil is unleashed upon the world, civilian civilization descends into chaos and war blankets the globe. When men using the one power become insane and destroy much of the planet, a small band of women unite under the White Tower and are humanity's last hope of survival. So, yeah, that's why it's interesting, right? It's said to complement the storylines from the TV series. So I think it's risky, right? Because essentially, you're saying you have to watch the TV series. So I I, I think it's going to narrow possibly the audience. But if done well, you know what I mean? Done well could be good. So um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what they do with it. You know? But um, yeah, there you go. There you go, people. So that is us for another week I definitely recommend checking out the Fear Street films also right um, Black Widow is great oh my gosh Black Widow is fantastic and Our Friend is worth a watch but remember <laughs> you, you, you have to watch it if you're in a good mood because it is sad as Hell. Okay. And remember, there's an end of credits moment in Black Widow. Right? End of credit moment at the end of Major Grum. You know, so um, yeah, you don't want to miss those. Alright, people. We will be back on a Monday. Yep, yep, yep. Monday for a special episode. And we'll have the usual Thursday episode as well next week. Alright? Until then, enjoy your film watching. Peace!